0: No, the Here comes a lightning bolt! Charger fans are witnesses to history.
1: This is the Lightning Round podcast with your hosts Garrett Sisti and
0: Jamie Hoyle.
1: Go Chargers! Go.
0: It is time to go over some draft prospects here on the Lightning Round Podcast. I am Garrett Sisti, which is at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. Jamie is tweeting at Lightning underscore Round, and today we're covering running backs and wide receivers. But first, donations.
1: Our first donation is from Marcus Terrigian, probably the person who's been uh, donating the longest on the show. and. Continues to do it pretty much every month. So, Marcus, thank you for the, the generous donation. We appreciate it, and uh, thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Marcus. Next is from Kevin Brown. He left a little note. He said, enjoy the podcast. You're my favorite sports podcast. Great season. Great analysis. Kevin, I appreciate you, and uh, we might be your favorite sports uh, podcast. You were one of my favorite pitchers in 1998 for the Padres. <laughs> Big shout-out game two against the Braves and the NLCS.
1: You shut them out love you for it so thank you kevin brown for donating you didn't mention the game you pitched in houston where you had what was it 15 strikeouts or something in houston against randy johnson
0: yeah that was a big one but that 98 world series run was a big one for me uh so (laughs) fresh to my memory was that shutout in that nlcs game but yes big time pitches from uh, the righty kevin brown thank you for donating
1: Uh, last one is Rick DuVernay who says better late than never. I've been a charger fan since 1985, just discovered your podcast this year. You made a tremendous difference in my understanding and appreciation of the game. Keep it up, Rick. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Rick. And Can we talk about Padres? That was actually kind of fun. Can we just turn this (laughs) down? Well, so uh, talked about it earlier. We're going to be doing running backs and wide receivers today. uh, For you guys that don't know the drill, we basically start with the position groups that are the uh, least important for the Chargers going into the offseason. So, of course, we started with, you know, kind of the bottom of the barrel for the Chargers here. Running backs, wide receivers, probably won't be looking for them. But uh, we're going to go over some of the top guys. What we ended up doing was finding the top five to seven prospects. And we'll do that for the upcoming podcast as well. We watched them, uh, found some sleepers, and we graded them. Uh, We're going to tell you what we like about the players, what we don't like, uh, where we see them in the NFL. And we gave them a grade. Uh, We graded on 100 And uh, each grade drops down by round in which we think they should be drafted, not in which the consensus believes they will be drafted. So uh, we create our own grading system. If you guys were with us last year, you know all about it. It's nice to go back and kind of look at how we graded last year and kind of compare it to this year's class. So we are going to do that. And we're also going to give a top five. Uh, We're going to give our personal top fives of this position group. And uh, we are going to go ahead and start unless you have something else you want to add.
1: Uh, No, just kind of reinforce that we're not really worried about what other people think for this. This is us doing our own work, our own analysis, uh, coming up with our own grading system. And you're going to see, I'm sure, some variation in how we look at our own personal top five versus the quote-unquote consensus top five. So there will be – there's usually a couple surprises in here, some variation, and it's usually a lot of fun to see how each of us – views these guys
0: yeah and you'll see at the end of the draft podcast season we're going to give our players that we gave first round grades to and though there are 32 players that will go in the first round well rarely are there first round talents or that many first round talents and i'm i'm sure we won't have 32 this year either so there won't be a lot of first round grades going so if you're looking at a lot of guys that will go in the first round it's because they have to and uh, we might not have first round grades on them and, uh, we'll get into that later on. So, um, we're gonna go ahead and start with running backs. Then we'll go over sleepers. We'll give our top fives, then go over wide receivers. So let's go ahead and start with the running backs. And in no particular order, uh, just a, you know, kind of a consensus top running backs of the class we kind of put together here. So in no particular order, uh, let's go ahead and start with Josh Jacobs out of Alabama.
1: So Jacobs is a guy that I, I really enjoyed watching. Um, he is, You can tell by watching him, he's very smart, good at setting up his blocks, sets up his moves really well in the hole and downfield, and really understands his blocking responsibilities. You very rarely see him missing a blocking assignment, which is nice to see. It's pretty rare for a college running back. Uh, He's got a stout, powerful body, makes him really difficult to tackle in traffic. I think Jacobs gets to second gear really quickly within a couple steps, and Josh uh, also, is a natural receiver. He's got really soft hands, and I thought he plays and tracks the ball like a wide receiver down the field. Uh, saw him catch a couple wheel routes where he made like leaping, lunging catches in coverage. Caught a couple back shoulder fades. So very good receiving, uh, receiving running back out of the backfield. And uh, something that stood out to me watching him on tape also is he's. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a dangerous return man at the next level with his combination of speed and balance and his ability to kind of string moves together. Uh, I think he's going to be a dangerous return man. If a team decides to use him in that role, uh, things that I didn't like about him. And I'm kind of nitpicking here because I liked him a lot. Um, I think when he's as a blocker, there are times it's rare, but it happens where he kind of drops his head at contact and he misses a block every now and then doesn't happen all that often. He's usually pretty reliable, but it does show up every now and then uh, Jacobs also, I don't think he has necessarily breakaway speed. He has good speed, above average speed, but not necessarily breakaway speed. You see him getting caught from behind on tape at times. Um, and I also think Jacobs is accustomed to running through really big holes. So it's kind of hard to judge his vision because there's always 747 size holes in the middle of that Alabama line. And it's really hard to figure out you know just how good his vision is. Uh, and i something that i noticed too is it seems like he can be knocked off balance when trying to make sudden cuts or change direction suddenly he's got some wiggle and he can make guys miss in tight quarters but in the open field it seems like sometimes he gets out a little gets out over his feet a little bit and he can kind of trip himself up trying to make cuts to get to get to the open field but i like jacob's quite a bit um you know i talked about all of the characteristics that we go through for running backs iq and awareness speed power receiving blocking I gave him an 88, which is uh, a late or it's an early second round pick. Probably winds up leaking into the late first round in terms of the way he will be drafted and in terms of value. But uh, very good running back. Somebody I enjoyed watching. He's my number three back.
0: Mm. Well, we're pretty close here on the grade. Josh Jacobs is a very versatile back. He lined up all over the field, whether it was in the backfield, in the slot, even lined up as the QB in the Wildcat. Jacobs can get it from anywhere, do some damage on the ground. He played wide receiver at times, was a returner. Evans played special teams at Alabama, so he really did do it all. You talked about his returnability, and uh, that'll definitely carry over in the NFL. Jacobs makes you miss, but also is physical enough in short yardage situations, which I liked. Uh, he's a crisp route runner in the passing game, soft hands, dangerous in the open field. He's also a pretty good pass protector. College kids don't really ask to pass protect that often, and nor is it really that refined. But Jacobs holds up really nicely in pass pro. And, um, you know, one knock that I'm sure will come across when uh grading these guys is Jacobs wasn't the quote unquote starter at Alabama, and uh you know that might actually help his stock because he doesn't have the the kind of mileage on his body yet. He only had two hundred and fifty two touches in his college career uh, they kind of built up towards the end of that year in Alabama, but uh you know he doesn't have that wear and tear that most of these college backs do if you're drafting a running back in the first round. Jacobs is the type of player that you'd want because he can do so many things on offense, and he does really have that three-down capability. I understand why Jacobs would go in the first round, but even when that's said, I got him one point higher than you do. I have an 89, so low first, high second round grade, uh, probably going to be the first back off the board, and uh, we'll talk about top five. I've got him higher than third, but um, let's go ahead and move on to the next running back here, and that is Damian Harris the other Alabama running back. Now, I didn't like Harris as much as I thought I would. He was the starter at Alabama. Again, as the season progressed, Josh Jacobs started to cut into Harris's playing time. He's a power runner, loves to get ahead of steam, plow downhill between the tackles, uh, finds the yards on the field. He's the type of runner that's always like falling forward to get that extra yardage. He has pretty good acceleration in a straight line, but he kind of, Harris lacks that agility in the open field. Harris also lacks that breakaway speed. To break off a lot of his runs, he got caught from behind a lot, and uh, he's more that low-ceiling, high-floor type of prospect. He's a power runner that is somewhat lacking as an athlete, but will get tough yardage between the tackles. After reviewing Damian Harris, I like to kind of go and see what other people are saying about him, because I've already got him graded, and nothing nothing changes. I'm just curious what everybody has to say. And uh, Dame Brugler said that Harris is a not-as-dynamic version of Ezekiel Elliott, and he might not be that far off. I kind of like that comp because he he's a power runner but uh, doesn't have a lot of special ability really in my book. I got a, a high third-round grade on him. I gave him a 78, and I know that's going to be a lot lower than a lot of people. But uh, going in, I was expecting like Damian Harris, and I didn't as much as most people do.
1: We are not far off on Damian Harris. Wow, okay. Uh, he is somebody that I also – I wouldn't say I hated him, but I wouldn't say I really loved him either. Uh, just kind of lukewarm on him. Uh, he is a guy who you mentioned he's a decisive one-cut runner. He gets downhill, sticks his foot in the ground, hits the hole, and he's looking to, to pick up as many yards as he can as quickly as he can because he knows he's not going to outrun anybody. <laughs> uh, Harris runs with really good pad level and decent power, so he's he moves the pile pretty consistently. He is hard. He usually runs through the first tackle, Not really a guy who's going to make people miss or break a lot of tackles, but if you're trying to bring him down with an arm tackle, you're probably going to have a hard time. Uh, Pretty average, maybe slightly above average speed, but nothing spectacular. Like you mentioned, he gets caught from behind a lot, just not somebody who's going to blow you up with speed. And I think Harris, he flashes a good jump cut in the hole, but you mentioned he's a straight-line runner. He's not a guy who's going to juke you. He might make you miss in the hole, but once he gets downfield and he gets going downhill, he can't change direction. So he's not, he, not at least not without stopping his feet and slowing down. He's not going to make people miss. He's not very fluid. Uh, I think from a negative standpoint, you're talking about a guy who, you know, anytime he tries to make a sudden cut, he trips over his own feet and he falls down. Um, he's not not very loose-hipped, not a quick twitch guy that you talk about in the, in the draft process. I think Harris also... Does not have great open field vision. He's, like I mentioned, a straight-line runner, and he has a tendency to run into contact downfield, not making people miss again. And Damien doesn't catch the ball much, wasn't used much as a receiver, and I didn't think he was a particularly aware or willing blocker. So I had a I had an 89. I'm sorry, an 80 on Damian Harris. Oh, 80. okay. So late second, early third type uh, draft pick, just not somebody that... I mean, maybe somebody you can make as part of a rotation, maybe yeah. use them as a power back down around the goal line. Not somebody I'm all that interested in You know, paying franchise money to and having be the face of your running game, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually like some of the value of this class, kind of in the second, third, mm-hmm. kind of leaking in the fourth round. It's
1: a deep, it's a deep class.
0: Yeah, uh, in the middle. Uh, not so mm-hmm. much on the top, in my opinion, but um, when you're talking about those guys in the middle, there's a lot of guys that – Bring a lot to the table and Damian Harris just kind of is what he is. And I would be hard pressed to throw a third round pick, even though he's a third round grade in my book. I would have a hard time spending the draft pick on him only because, you know, he's, he's going to be your short yardage power back near the goal line. Like you mentioned, and there's not much you can do. He's going to be your RB2, maybe RB3 at that point. And in the second, third round, you could be drafting potential RB1s at that point
1: yeah maybe another good comp for him would be like a lendo white kind of a guy um not a whole lot of explosive talent nothing about him really stands out um he's got some power he's got a little bit of speed he does a little bit of everything but he doesn't do any one thing you know especially well
0: yeah yeah okay so let's go ahead and move on to the next one and it is daryl henderson out of memphis
1: uh, so for me, um, the first thing you notice with Her- with Henderson when you watch him is he's got breakaway speed in the open field. He is extremely fast, and if he gets to the second level without being touched, he's probably not going to get caught. Uh, Harris has very strong legs that allow him to run through arm tackles, and he has a really good feel for running to space in the open field. You always see him just kind of finding soft spots in the defense and running through big gaping holes in the defense. Uh, A lot of fun to watch in that regard. Um, Didn't fumble the ball once in his three-year career. You could see him uh, in several clips and tape, really uh, five-point pressure on that ball and really focused on protecting the ball in traffic, which is something you like seeing at this level. And I think Henderson also is a decisive guy, He does a good job of exploding through the hole with his pads pointed downfield and not wasting a lot of motion or effort to get get up the field. Um, From a negative standpoint, henderson's a pretty upright runner and he doesn't always run behind his pads um <clears throat> he's easily in track by early penetration and struggles to make plays off schedule if you get if you get through the line you make him stop his feet you make him change direction you make him reverse field and you point those shoulder pads east west you're going to tackle him he's not going to really he's not really going to ad-lib and make things happen all that often um I think the balance with Henderson can be kind of hit or miss. He wasn't asked to catch the ball or block a whole lot in college, and Henderson is way too reliant on his speed. He doesn't make people miss with sudden moves, and he doesn't have a whole lot of power. Um, I have a 77 on Henderson, uh, an early third, maybe late second round pick, depending on where guys are going, but um, kind of in that early to mid third range, early to mid third round range, most likely. And he's probably more of a rotational, you know, um, thunder and lightning kind of pairing, where he's the lightning to somebody else's thunder. Probably not somebody who's going to be, you know, your every down back because of some of the limitations running between tackles and dealing with early penetration and things like that. But uh, somebody who can make some some splash plays for you and and makes and you know pick up big chunks uh, with good blocking in front of him.
0: Yeah, I like Tenderson a little bit more than you did. Uh, he led the nation with 2,328 all-purpose yards, had 22 touchdowns. He's a stout runner with a low center of gravity, but still has the ability to break it open with his 4-4 speed. Now, we're in front of the combine, but uh, he's going to be one that you'll watch run the 40 because it's going to be pretty quick. Uh, he's only five-nine, so... He likes to get lost in the sauce, kind of ducks behind linemen a little bit, hides and then squirts out the other side. He's also hard to bring down because he's 200 pounds and he runs so low to the ground, he's a tough tackle. Has pretty good vision, has a knack for hitting the right crease. And, you know, like you mentioned, he's not going to be your three down back. That's just not his game. But he's a pretty explosive weapon that you can move around. But even so, you can't really deny there's the... The production, somewhat potential. He's a guy you get 20 touches a game or so, maybe 15 to 20 touches, and give him a chance to break one because he can. I got a low second-round grade, an 83. So this is a guy I would would take a chance over Harris. But um, a guy I liked a little bit more than you did and um, a guy that is definitely going to make my top five. All right. So the next guy on our list is Elijah Holyfield. And I like this guy a lot. The thing that I enjoy most about Holyfield is his vision. He has the patience to set up blocks. He baits defenders to cut back inside or out. And is talented moving north and south and sideline to sideline. He plays his angles well. Packs some punch as a power runner too. Holyfield doesn't have blazing speed, but definitely enough to get behind a defense defense. He was really underutilized at Georgia as just a running back, but he has the makeup for a lot more. He only had seven catches in college, but you can tell he's got the capability to do a lot more. I will say that because he's such a good athlete, he does rely on his athleticism a little bit too much to outrun defenders. He'll break it outside when he doesn't really need to, and he also isn't as fast as he thinks he is. I mean, he's quick, and he can get behind a defense, but he's not fast really uh he's got great change of direction he's a gifted athlete superb vision it's going to serve him well in the nfl he will be your team's early down back and it's early in his career but he's got the capability of doing so much more i've got a mid second round pick on holyfield uh liked him a lot he had an 85
1: i also liked holyfield quite a bit uh liked him a little bit more than you did uh i thought uh, elijah holyfield was very patient and rugged runner between the tackles. Uh, shows outstanding burst between uh, through the hole. I think Holyfield has the speed to beat defenders to the edge. He runs low and behind his pads and packs a major wall up. He's constantly moving the pile. He's always running through arm tackles. Uh, I think that even though he wasn't really used that much as a wide receiver, from what I saw, he looks very natural and comfortable catching the ball. Very soft hands. Runs pretty good routes when asked to. And... Um, I think what really makes Holyfield stand out for me is I think he's a very smart guy. He's consistent, aware, technically sound and reliable as a pass block, as a pass protector, very good in pass protection. Another guy that really stood out in that regard for me, at least. Um, I think Holyfield, like I mentioned, he wasn't asked to catch the ball that much. So you don't really know how he'll fare, you know, and with the speed of the game in the NFL, but he does look comfortable catching the ball to me. Uh, He, like you mentioned, Garrett, he has a tendency to look to bounce the ball outside a little bit too quickly when there might be something there inside. He's looking to bounce it out and beat somebody to the edge, which he does in the college level, but he's going to have to learn to stick his nose in there and pick up the tough yards, even when there isn't a gaping hole there. And like you mentioned, he doesn't really have the breakaway speed, um, fast, quick, not explosively fast. He's explosive through the hole, but he's going to get chased down more often than not from behind, uh, even as he's breaking 15 to 20 yard runs, kind of like a Melvin Gordon type. Like he's not going to be the guy who's consistently getting 70, 60 yard touchdown runs, but he's going to start with three, four yard carries and they're going to be 15, 20 yard carries by the third or fourth quarter. So I liked Holyfield a lot. I have an 89 on him. So an early second round grade, maybe even possibly leaking into the first round, but I liked him quite a bit. He was my number two overall back.
0: Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about this last running back. And of course we can't cover them all, but the last one on our list here is David Montgomery at
1: Iowa state. I like David Montgomery a lot. I had a lot of fun watching him. So for me, Montgomery looks like a very patient, explosive runner. It looks like he had good vision. I think Montgomery has really quick feet, strong legs and loose hips, which allow him to string moves together both in the open field and in traffic without sacrificing a whole lot of speed. Montgomery runs low and behind his pads, and he will run people over just as much as he will run around them. Very elusive in tight quarters. He reminded me of somebody that we watched a couple years ago, uh, Kareem Hunt, who we both like quite a bit because he was able to make people miss in tight quarters. I think uh, Montgomery does a lot of those same things. He's a very natural receiver, caught the ball a lot in college. Uh, Montgomery is also a very smart and effective blocker. He's got what looks like freakish balance to me and a killer stiff arm. I think this is a guy who's going to test really well at the combine and probably shoot up boards once he gets to the combine. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot that I didn't like about him, to be honest. Um, I was kind of nitpicking, but um, I think he can look to bounce plays outside too quickly. He'll dip his head a little bit um, and miss a block every now and then. But overall, I liked him quite a bit. Um, I have a 93 on him. He was my only running back with a first-round grade. Holy
0: cow. Holy cow. Man, wow, yeah, you really like Montgomery. He's a bigger power back, 5'11", 2'15", racked up back-to-back seasons with over a 1,000 yards, 71 total receptions over his career. As a runner, he's powerful, tough to bring down. He's a guy you got to gang tackle because he'll drag defenders. He exhibits good patience at the line of scrimmage. Montgomery also has a good change of direction as well. As a pass catcher, he racked up a lot of catches. Um, I did see a few drops, but uh, he did get a lot of volume. They really wanted to get the ball to Montgomery a lot. Obviously, at his size, he doesn't have that breakaway speed, but he can definitely get by defenders. He's got the makeup of a workhorse back, has good patience, change of direction. There's kind of a hit-or-miss style running with him that kind of results in some negative yards at times for me, uh, but a lot more good than bad. I had a low second-round grade on him. Hmm. I have an 80. So we have – this is our biggest discrepancy so far. So let's go ahead and move on to uh, sleepers. And um, I know you've got two. I've got one. So why don't you go ahead and start?
1: All right. Uh, my first sleeper is somebody that I haven't heard people talk about too much. And his name is Miles Sanders. He is the – was the replacement <laughs> for – is he your sleeper? He sure is, yeah. <laughs> uh He was the uh, replacement for um, uh, Saquon Saquon Barkley at Penn State. So Sanders is a guy who is very patient, always makes the most of his blocks. He's creative and able to string together several moves without sacrificing speed. Sanders has a great jump cut, shows a nice stiff arm, and he seamlessly changes direction in and out of his cuts. Sanders is very aware. Uh, is a very aware and reliable blocker. Sanders has soft, sticky hands, and plays the ball like a wide receiver. Uh, even I even saw him make some fifty fifty jump ball jump ball catches on his tape. And Sanders finally is um, very effective short yardage in short yardage situations. He's small and compact, and he does a good job of getting down low behind his pads and moving the pile. Uh, I think he takes too many chances trying to jump over defenders. I think he maybe thinks he's slightly better as an athlete than he really is. And he's trying to hurdle guys too often and and putting himself at risk. Uh, He can be a little loose and careless with the ball at times. He's not, even though he moves the pile, I wouldn't call him powerful per se, but he runs with good leverage. And Sanders will occasionally dip his head and miss a block like most of the backs will in this class. But I have an 84 on Sanders. So uh, late, mid to late second round pick.
0: He was my sleeper as well. You know, he's smooth running back with great change of direction, has the capability to make defenders miss with his cutting ability. Sanders is a more nuanced runner, using timing and hesitation to throw off defenders. His footwork is clean, showed some good drive as well, like you mentioned. The downside is this was his first year as a starter after taking over Saquon Barkley. Combine is going to be huge for a guy like Sanders because he didn't really show a lot this past season in terms of production. Everybody had high hopes for him, and he didn't quite have the huge numbers that everybody was looking for. And plus, he's kind of coming out a little bit early with only one year one year of starting experience. But his athleticism uh, is also going to be something that they're going to want to test because uh, that's been a, a big question mark among the draft community. So combine will help clear some of that up. But I do think there is something there with Sanders. He's a guy I take a swing on. Um, I have a seventy five on him. He's a third round guy for me, but. Definitely a guy uh, that isn't getting the hype that a lot of these other guys are and uh, definitely worth the swing. I think maybe because they haven't seen enough on tape and they want more production and they want the big numbers that maybe he's not being talked about. But there's definitely something there with Miles Sanders.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he's got a chance to be pretty good.
0: Okay. So talk to me about your second sleeper. Does it happen to be another Miles?
1: Uh, no, it's okay. not.
0: All right. Go ahead.
1: Uh, My second sleeper is Benny Snell Jr. from Kentucky. Uh, He's a guy who is really a workhorse back, kind of in the Melvin Gordon mold. Uh, You know, He's a guy who thrives on volume touches and gets better as the game goes on. Um, Snell is quick to get to the edge and dangerous in space. He has a good jump cut and the makings of a good spin move. He's very effective as a receiver in the screen game, and he's instinctive in space and in the open field. And uses his blockers at the second and third levels very well. Uh, I think some of his limitations. I think his vision is questionable because he frequently runs into the pile when there seems to be holes to, to run through. Uh, Snell needs about five to seven yards of open field to build ahead of steam. He's not really what I would call a burner. Um, Benny is easily derailed by early penetration. Not overly effective in short yard situations and uh, not very creative or elusive and not much of a blocker. So I have a, a 74 on Snell, so kind of a mid-to-late third-round pick. Uh, I think he's a guy who, you know, he, I think he gets better with touches. So if you want to get him, you know, somewhere in that 15 to 20 touch range, I think he could be very effective as a workhorse, kind of grind it out. Uh, could certainly be effective closing out games late. Uh, not, you know, not a whole lot of upside, but probably a pretty low, f- uh, pretty high floor as well.
0: I didn't get all the way through enough running backs to get a second. Um, The running back out of Washington, Miles Gaskin, uh, was, I thought, maybe your second one. Uh, A guy that has something that I liked. He's more of a day three guy, more of a finesse running back who's going to need to be in a niche role because he lacks the size, but um, a guy I like too. So let's go ahead and move on to top five. And I'll go ahead and start. And these are my top five running backs. I got Josh Jacobs at number one. I've got Elijah Holyfield at number two with an 85. Daryl Henderson is an 83 for me. Uh, Devin Singletary, who we didn't go over, is number four for me at 81. And David Montgomery with an 80 is my fifth running back.
1: Uh, so we've got some – this is – I think this is probably one of the – some of the most variation we've had in any of our position groups since we started doing this. So <laughs> kind of cool. Um, my number one running back is David Montgomery with a 93. Uh, Elijah Holyfield is my number two with an 89. Josh Jacobs is number three with an 88. Rodney Anderson is number four with an 86. And Miles Sanders was my number five. Also my sleeper with an 84.
0: All right. Great. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to wide receiver. And uh, we'll start off with DK Metcalf from Ole Miss. And he's a big physical built, has the ability to win at every level. Early on, he gets open with his release, uses his strong hands to combat any press, swipes off coverage to work himself open. Metcalf has the speed that DBs have to respect because he can get open deep. With his big frame, he's easy money on quick hitters and can create after the catch. A negative, of course, is his season was ended because of a neck injury. There are some issues with Metcalf finishing off plays. Doesn't always high point with regularity. He can get up, and when he's on, he's dangerous. But there was a lot of miscommunication with his quarterback at Ole Miss. Left a lot of yards on the field with some mistimed leaps and coverage as well. Metcalf also was not asked to run a ton of routes, he was just a man playing amongst boys, so his route tree is somewhat rudimentary, and they just kind of just game the ball whenever they could because he was just a grown-ass man. Uh, DK Metcalf has a lot going for him, and for me, the best receiver in this class. He's got a potential to be wide receiver one in this league a couple years from now. Just the skill set he displayed in college. He can catch everything, win all over the field, create after the catch, He's got a 91 from me, which is a low first-round grade, and my only player so far with a first-round grade.
1: Uh, so for me, uh, obviously, Metcalf, you start with the long athletic frame. Uh, he's just he's built to play a wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Metcalf has the speed to pull away from corners, like you mentioned. It looks like he's agile enough to be a good route runner, although he's not yet a good route runner. Uh, Metcalf excels at coming down with jump balls, looks really good against smaller corners who can't match his physicality. Uh, like you mentioned, the first thing I noticed was he runs a very basic, very limited route tree. basically runs a hitch, a slant, an out, and a stop and go. Um, he really struggled to separate from Greedy Williams against LSU this year. Had a hard time uh, getting open against him and seemed to get frustrated with the physical play. Um, I thought Metcalf struggled to make catches in traffic against bigger, more physical corners at times. <clears throat> he doesn't always extend for the ball. Um for all of his catches he does for jump balls but he tends to try to trap a lot of balls against his body and that can allow people inside his frame and give them a chance to to knock the ball away I think he seems to lose focus in games and can disappear at times and I thought he had way too many drops for first round wide receiver I saw tons of drops on the tape that I watched so um, certainly a first round athlete uh, first round frame and a lot of upside Uh, but I have a much different grade on him than you did I just I I thought he dropped the ball way too much to be a first-round wide receiver, and I have a 75 on him.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You have a mid-round grade on Metcalf, a mid-third? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. All right. (laughs) Yeah, we're off to an interesting start here on our first uh, draft podcast. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the next wide receiver then, and it is Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State.
1: So Harry's another guy who looks like another one, a number one wide receiver. He's 6'3", 220, got a long athletic frame, and he's ripped. Um, he does his best work in the slot where he gets more free releases and can run through the middle of the defense. Harry's very dangerous in space and in the open field, um, does a good job of high-pointing the ball. He's a great red zone weapon and has a huge catch radius. Uh, he's another one who runs a very limited route tree. Uh, lost of, lots of wasted motion at his release stutter steps head fakes doesn't really get anywhere with it just kind of throwing a bunch of moves because he doesn't really have a plan off the line of scrimmage um, I think Harry struggles with press coverage he needs to do a better job of using his frame to shield defenders from the ball and he's prone to concentration drops And as an ASU fan, I can tell you he disappears from games for long stretches if they don't involve him right away. Very frustrating guy to watch because he should dominate every single game and he doesn't always show up. And um, as an ASU fan, I can tell you that I have a little bit of inside information on him from the locker room, uh, from some well-placed people in the program. And Harry, even though people talk about him like he's a leader, And a great kid and this mature kid, he has a lot of maturity issues. He, in fact, almost got thrown off the ASU team uh, last spring because he decided when they hired Herm Edwards that he just wasn't going to come to practice for a week. So they cleared out his locker and uh, basically told him, you have a choice. You can either come here and and work with the rest of the team or we can part ways and you can finish out your scholarship as a student, but you're not going to play football anymore. So he's had some issues with missing buses to games. He's had some issues with you know, being accountable and, and being a leader on the team. And he's a guy who I think has some serious maturity issues, even including uh, leaving. He's from the Bahamas. He moved here at a young age to live with his grandmother to have more opportunity. Um, and last year when they played North Carolina State in the bowl game, he decided to go to the Bahamas to visit his family without telling anybody and was late getting back for the bowl game and was suspended for the first quarter of the bowl game because nobody knew where he was. So uh, some maturity issues there, some some issues that I have. He is not somebody I would spend a first round pick on. Uh, as talented as he is, I think he's going to have some issues with maturity uh, at the next level. So I have a 77 on him, uh, which is an early third round pick. And a lot of this is based on some of the information I have on him from from the program, but I'm just not as much of a fan as you probably thought I would be.
0: Uh, actually, I'm I'm right there with you. And a lot of people thought Harry. Uh, a lot of people think Harry's a you know top five wide receiver in this class, a first round pick, uh, if not first early day two pick. And uh, he's got some good things working for him. Of course, he's a true deep threat. He's got unbelievable timing on the jump ball. That fade route in the red zone was his bread and butter. Man, he was the ex receiver who's pretty physical, tracked the ball pretty well. He's more of a long strider with strong hands with a wide catch radius. And he might be a long strider, but he's not fast enough to get behind many NFL corners at the next level. Harry isn't very good at getting off the line to scrimmage, so it takes him a little bit to get going. And hands are pretty inconsistent. He body catches a lot, which uh, I do not like at all. He's your big body, deep threat, seems deceptively fast in games though I think the combine is going to be big for Harry, and I don't think it's going to be very kind to him either. Uh, there are a few issues that we'll need to clean up, like his hands, his release, some of his route running, but uh, and especially finishing out routes, which I, I I hated. It's almost like he gave up at the end of some routes, and maybe that's part of that head fake thing you were talking about. But uh, I got a 78 on him. So we are in the ballpark. We are a high third-round grade on Nikhil Harry, which most people don't have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at his frame and you just assume he's going to be a first-round pick. And he put up some numbers in college, uh, but he seemed to disappear in big games. It was frustrating because they just part of it wasn't his fault. Part of it was that they just didn't know how to use him. And it was basically just, okay, run deep and we'll throw it to you. And if he didn't get the ball early in games, he just checked out. So not somebody I would want to invest a first-round pick in, for sure.
0: Yeah, me neither. All right, next up here is A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss. Adre Brown takes a backseat lining up across from DK Metcalf, but he was the Rebels' leading wide receiver last season. He's got strong hands, not afraid to take a hit in the middle of the field. He's got the body type of an outside receiver, but he plays inside in the slot. He's a pretty good route runner, though the change of direction isn't nearly as crisp as you would like to see it. Uh, Ran out of the slot a lot, so like you talked about with uh, Harry, he didn't get pressed a lot either. Uh, He doesn't really have the speed to play outside, but has the body to win inside with the footwork, help him get open as well. There's a team that's going to bank on the upside here, but at the position and only one year of starting experience, I got my questions. Uh, Especially at the beginning and ends of his routes for a slot guy, I'd like to see a little bit more from Brown. And in a few years, maybe he could be something. But right now, there is some to like about him, but not a ton. Uh, the plan should be to get him to clean up his release, refine some of his shortcomings, run him in the slot, and I hope a d- team doesn't try to run him out on the outside just because, you know, he's got the size to be an outside receiver. I'd rather th- somebody keep him as a big inside threat uh, because outside would just be a bad move. I've got a low third round grade on AJ Brown. I gave him a 73.
1: I like Brown. Um, oh, okay. I thought he was a pretty good route runner. Uh, Uses his long strides to eat up ground in the middle of the field. Brown's pretty much always open from the slot in the middle of the field. Uses his length and frame to his advantage. Catches pretty much everything. And I thought he showed pretty good speed. Uh, He does not make many plays outside. Most of his plays are made from the slot, like you mentioned. Uh, Not much of a downfield blocker. And uh, more of a possession receiver than a deep threat um, at the next level in my opinion, but I still like him. I think he's with the size and the hands. And I thought he was a good route runner. I have an 86 on him. I liked him a lot.
0: All right, let's go ahead and move on. Next one is Marquise Hollywood Brown at Oklahoma.
1: So Brown is a guy who's capable of scoring pretty much every time he touches the ball, no matter where he is on the field, he's creative and unpredictable in the open field. He wins with speed and route running explosiveness and elusiveness, Uh, Brown is effective in every phase of the passing game, screens, crossers, intermediate, deep, and he runs slick, precise routes. He's not overly physical at the catch point, not much of a blocker. Uh, He might be relegated to more of a slot role at the next level because he's a little small. Uh, His hands are a little inconsistent, especially through contact and on contested balls. And um, he was obviously, he hurt, I believe he he hurt his knee, right, in the bowl game? So he's got some injury questions that he's going to have to answer, and I think he's going to miss the combine, if I'm not mistaken. I like him uh, not quite as much as I like the A.J. Brown, but I have an 82 on Marquise Brown. So late second-round pick.
0: Okay. Marquise Hollywood-Brown averaged 7.45 yards per route in the slot. It was the highest mark in the NCAA by a lot. He is the burner of the class. In fact, there were a lot of times Kyler Murray would just loft it up early, knowing Brown would get immediate separation run under it. Uh, Because of the speed, Oklahoma set up a lot of manufactured touches to get him the ball. They just lined him up at the slots, bubble screens, some quick hitches, just to get the ball in his hand so he could take over with that speed. Hollywood might have one of the more refined route trees of this class. He ran a lot of routes and ran them pretty well. He also has the elusiveness with the speed to break one off if the first defender misses. His hands can be somewhat inconsistent at times, and he isn't very physical at the catch point, but that's not really Brown's game. He'll need to improve it at the next level, but he's your speedy slot guy. He'll get open with his feet. He'll eat up yards with his speed, work to get open with his route running. He's just not your jump ball wide receiver, and that's okay. The other narc is going to be the size. He's 5'10", 168, Marquise Brown will be your slot receiver in the NFL. He's got true game-breaking speed, athleticism. route tree's ready for the big stage. He's got the size and hands that might be a concern for some, but he's got versatility as a receiver. You could probably throw him some toss sweeps, some manufactured plays to get the ball in his hands. I've got an 80 on Marquise Hollywood Brown. So let's go on to Riley Ridley out of Georgia. Now Ridley is the younger brother of Calvin Ridley, and if you look at the stats, you'd think Ridley wasn't much of a player. He had just under 600 yards receiving, nine touchdowns last season. So the production isn't there, but he did do some good things on film. The route running is good. He didn't run a huge variation of routes in college, but the ones he did, he ran well. Ridley has good hands, strong at the catch point, also a deep vertical threat. Ridley has very good, has a very good double move, uses his muscular frame to take advantage, boxing out defenders at every level. He was arrested two years ago for marijuana possession, which I know teams will be questioning him about at the Combine. But Georgia is a run-heavy team, so Ridley's production isn't necessarily his fault. A guy that's going to have to prove it at the Combine. It's going to be huge for him because he's got some good traits. If he tests well, that could really boost his draft stock. I think there's enough there to tell you Riley Ridley could definitely be a better pro than he was in college. I've got a low second-round grade on Ridley. I gave him an 81.
1: So for me, I liked, I liked Ridley quite a bit. My, I've got different a different grade on him. Um, uh-huh. He's a guy who, run, in my opinion, runs a full complement of crisp professional routes. Not a whole lot of wasted movement at the release or at the top of his routes. Uh, Ridley makes plays in the short, intermediate, and deep passing games. Uh, he seems to make one physical contested catch after another. Uh, he's just as effective outside as he is in the middle of the field. He's physical. He's a physical, reliable blocker and he doubles as the primary third down threat and deep threat. And he catches pretty much everything. Um, he does the big knock on him is going to be the speed. I don't think he really average. He really possesses much, th- much more than slightly above average speed. Uh, very limited experience playing in the slot. And there were times where it seemed like he could struggle to create separation against elite corners. But even in those times, he was making physical catches. I have an 88 on Ridley, which is an early second-round pick. I liked him quite a bit.
0: All right. All right. Last wide receiver of this group is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford.
1: So J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, to me, he just looks like a freak in nature. Uh, He wins with speed, wins with route running, leaping ability. He's physical. He's long. Um, Arcega-Whiteside catches pretty much everything, often with defenders draped all over him. He's smart knows where he is on the field at all times, understands how to make the most of his physical advantages and fights to get back to the ball. And when I say he fights to get back to the ball, he's usually throwing defensive backs out of the way to get to the ball. (laughs) Uh, Sega Whiteside is extremely valuable as a downfield blocker, which is one of the things that I really loved about him. He's almost always downfield making a key block to spring Bryce Love for a big run. Uh, Sega Whiteside, I think he can draw flags for manhandling corners at the next level, so he's going to have to watch that. Probably doesn't have elite speed. Um, occasional issues with drops, uh, but it's mostly due to balls that are thrown behind him or too long that he just can't quite get to. Uh, I have a 90 on our Sega wide side. He's my number one overall wide receiver. I Woo! went in, I went in thinking I wouldn't like him because I don't normally like those big receivers. They're normally slow and boring, but I really enjoyed watching his tape and he, Came out a whole lot better than I thought he would. <laughs>
0: oh, man. Yeah. No, I liked our second white set. Not that high, but uh, I liked him too. He put up big numbers at Stanford last year 14 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards receiving. He's one of the bigger bodied receivers in his class. 6'3", He's deceptively fast to gain separation and does a lot of his damage at the line of scrimmage. He is the class's best red zone weapon. I thought our Sega Whiteside was uh, the best red zone wide receiver of this class. He has the ability to box out defenders, high point routinely, I'm a little concerned with his route running. He runs a little tight, but he's more he's more nuanced with his routes, and he wins with his timing. He can get separation, create yards after the catch, but like you mentioned, he isn't particularly fast. I suspect J.J. won't really test very well at the Combine, and people are going to question his athleticism, but with the use of his size, body control, ball skills, that's all going to help him at the NFL level. I've got a low second-round grade on him. I have an 82. He's definitely in my top five. Which I don't see Arcega Whiteside in anybody's top five when I was looking it up, which is interesting. Um, but he made my top five. Definitely not uh, my number one. But uh, we'll, we'll get into our top five in a little bit. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to sleeper again. And I know you've got two. I've got one. So hit me with your first sleeper.
1: My first sleeper is Paris Campbell from Ohio State. Uh, Campbell is a guy who is a very polished route runner. Catches pretty much everything they throw at him. Uh, Campbell can stretch the field he can win inside with slants and crossers and he owns the seams Uh, Campbell is a very dangerous part of the run game with fly sweeps he's another guy like Marquise Brown that you can manufacture touches for and give him the ball in space and let him create Uh, also very dangerous on bubble screens Campbell is explosive and elusive in the open field and he's got a third and fourth gear to run away from defenders Uh, I think he's probably going to struggle some with with uh press coverage against larger corners in the NFL. So he's probably going to be relegated to more of a slot role. Not much of a blocker because he's a little, he's not small, but he's just not very physical. And I wouldn't say he's overly physical at the catch point. Uh, I liked him. I think he's a guy who can come in and contribute right away as a slot. Um, a slot receiver might even factor in as a return man. At some point, I have an 82 on Paris Campbell.
0: Oh man. Okay. Uh, I went a little bit deeper sleeper here, and this is a day three guy, and it's Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri. Uh, He led uh, the FBS in yards per target. He's a big-time vertical threat, makes contested catches over the middle of the field, and has good footwork. He gets a lot done early at the line of scrimmage, and he seems to be a little bit inconsistent when the ball is in the air. And he piled up a bunch of injuries, which is, I'm sure, going to be a red flag for a lot of teams. He had a groin injury, shoulder injury, hamstring injury, but obviously nothing career-threatening. Emmanuel Hall will test well at the Combine because he's an athlete with good size, But has had his shortcomings, and the injuries, of course, are going to scare off some teams. I think Hall is a nice day three option with some good potential for a team that needs to add a deep threat. I've got a 68 on him. He's a high fourth-round pick target I would go for at the top of the fourth round beginning of day three. Uh,
1: My second sleeper is Anthony Johnson from Buffalo.
0: Oh, Uh, I liked him.
1: I liked him quite a bit. I, I really enjoyed watching him play. Um, Yeah,
0: I only got to watch two games, but I liked Anthony Johnson. Yeah, him him and uh, Kendrick Rogers were in my – about to be my uh, second sleepers, but I didn't get time to watch enough film on them. But, yeah, I like Johnson too.
1: Yeah, Johnson's a lot of fun to watch. He's got a nice combination of size and speed, runs really good routes. Uh, Johnson makes big plays in all three levels of the field. He catches everything, um, uses his frame to his advantage really well, and Johnson always works back to the football – uh, he's I think the knocks on him were going to be you know kind of slightly above average speed he's not really a burner uh he wasn't asked asked to block too much in college, and I think he could show his frustrations when things aren't going his way sometimes but he is a lot of fun to watch in fact, I think I watched five or six games of his, and the only time I saw a defender do anything to bother him was after he made about a fifteen yard catch. I saw somebody grab his junk and do a twist and pull and ah. he went straight to the ground and that's the only time a defender ever stopped him. <sighs> <laughs> so uh he he was a lot of fun to watch. And I think he's a guy who probably is gonna wind up being a day three guy, round four, round five. I, I have him grade a little higher than that. I have a seventy three on him, but I could see him slipping into the fourth round and he's a big bodied wide receiver who could stretch the field, be a possession receiver in the middle of the field, and really come up with some uh some big plays for you. So Anthony Johnson's my second sleeper.
0: All right. I did top five. I started top five last time, so go ahead and give me your top five wide receivers of this class.
1: All right. My top five wide receivers are J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with a 90, uh, Riley Ridley with an 88, I have Kelvin Harmon with an 87, A.J. Brown with an 86 is my number four, and Marquise Brown at 82 is my number five, and he's tied with Paris Campbell.
0: All right. Uh, number one for me is D.K. Metcalf. Uh, Number 2 and 3 aren't actually guys we covered today, but number 2 is Kelvin Harmon. I gave him an 86. Hakeem Butler is number 3 at 84. Number 4 for me is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with an 82. Number 5 is Riley Ridley. And there's going to be some change, I'm sure, after we get to know these numbers and how this athletic testing goes. So these might change. Top 5 might might be changing by the time draft rolls around but for the most part the tape means more than the testing in your underwear does so you know if anybody listens to this podcast and see hey man this isn't the same five that i listened to early on it probably will be but there might be some changes
1: yeah i mean there might be some slight changes but for the most part i think i think the grades stay the same because like you mentioned you know running running a 40 in your underwear isn't isn't as important as what you see on the tape
0: and so in terms of the chargers now, uh, there's a reason why we didn't, we did running backs and wide receivers first because it isn't that big of a need. Now, obviously, at running back, you've got Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Dietrich Newsom, and Justin Jackson. So it's a little bit crowded. I uh, doubt the Chargers go running back unless they're looking for a fullback plan on Melvin Gordon, but I just don't see them investing a high pick in a starting running back if they want an insurance plan for if and when Gordon leaves. Uh, in terms of wide receiver, that might be uh, more of a question mark, only because the future of Tyrell Williams is up in the air. Travis Benjamin could be a cut casualty. Uh, they did go wide receiver last year. Maybe they see Dylan Cantrell as a guy that might develop as a wide receiver three behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. But um, this these aren't guys that I think the Chargers are even thinking about until day three.
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised if we see a wide receiver in the first three rounds, if at all. Um yeah, you know, they they love their big wide receivers, so maybe a guy like a Hakeem Butler slips into the second or into the into the fourth round. Maybe you see somebody like um, like Anthony Johnson, one of my sleepers, yeah. slip into that range. Somebody that they can take a chance on late without a whole lot of risk and take time developing him because they have some some depth in front of them. Uh, it's a possibility, but my guess is they they probably won't take a wide receiver because I think they're going to wind up sticking with Travis Benjamin, um, unfortunately.
0: Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us this time around. It is our first off-season podcast, the first time you're hearing us break down draft prospects. I am at Gary Sisti on Twitter. Jamie?
1: At Lightning underscore round.
0: And we will see you next time.
1: Thanks, everybody.